What exactly is a soul tie from a biblical perspective? Well, this is quite a tricky subject, which needs to be addressed fairly regularly in the body of Christ. And since I prepared a Bible study for the purpose of training and equipping a young lady a couple of weeks ago, I felt led by the Holy Spirit to share it on a Journey Through the Bible podcast, especially for the benefit of those who want to help others get set free from bondages in this particular area. So let's just pray and commit this teaching to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you that you are Holy Spirit. You are the counselor, the comforter, the advocate. Thank you, Lord, for using this teaching to bring much fruit for the kingdom of heaven and for your plans and purposes on this earth. Thank you, Lord. We just give you all the praise and the glory and the honor which is due to you in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Now, I've added some extra information for the purpose of teaching because our God is deeply interested in his people enjoying healthy relationships and making right choices so that his kingdom purposes might be established powerfully on the earth. Firstly, there are two types of soul ties, godly and ungodly. Or another word that can be used would be demonic soul ties. So let me begin with a definition and some examples from the Word of God which illustrate the positive aspect of soul ties. A godly soul tie or a good soul tie is in a nutshell a healthy attachment or connection in the spiritual realm between a person and somebody else. Or, let me put in inverted commas, something else. The something else I will explain a little bit later. Now, Yeshua himself taught on the most important soul tie of all, and that's found in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. I'm going to read from there. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest commandment of all. So this scripture emphasizes the relationship between every born-again child of God and the Lord God Almighty himself, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Connection with him is a top priority, and Yeshua, Jesus, longs for intimacy with his bride. Now, his bride actually involves every born-again, blood-washed believer. That includes male, female, young, old, from every race and tribe in the body of Christ. Not one person is exempt. He desires that each one of us has a deep personal friendship with him, joined to him in a covenant relationship, which is a partnership, a vital union which involves making him, God, number one, hearing his voice and surrendering to his lordship on a daily basis. In line with this, it's important to note that the human soul is made up of the mind, 
the will, and emotions. And the process of becoming more like Christ is a lifelong endeavor and commitment. The more we yield to God's loving plans and purposes for our lives as individuals and also together with other believers, the greater the bonding between him and his bride, the church, becomes, and more heaven will be established on the earth. In accordance with the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another godly soul tie is the bond between a man and his wife, as described in Genesis 2, verse 24, reading from this portion of scripture. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The Hebrew word for join here is the word dabak, D-A-B-A-Q, and it means to cling, adhere, or stick, be joined together. Another word that could be used here would be the word glued. The marriage relationship covenant is the closest relationship between two people on this earth and therefore supersedes all other relationships, apart from the relationship with God, of course. There are also many other godly soul ties which are very important, such as parental ties with children, healthy bonds between siblings, and many other family connections. Remembering, too, that marriage and family were God's idea in the first place, and marriages in particular are his foundational building blocks for the establishment of a strong society, so very necessary in today's topsy-turvy world in which we live, where godly order so often seems to have been thrown out the window due to gender issues, etc., etc., need I say any more, except that it's time for the church to turn the tables on the enemy and show him how things are supposed to be done. A while ago, the Lord showed me a vision while Graham and I were worshipping the Lord together at home which painted the perfect picture of the marriage covenant. He showed me two pieces of paper tightly glued together and how difficult it is to separate them without tearing both pieces apart. It's almost impossible to do that, and when it is done, it causes such a lot of damage. Likewise with the marriage covenant. And that's the reason why Yeshua himself said in Matthew 10 verse 8, that which God has put together, let no man separate. Having said this, it's important to note that being glued together does not take away a man or a woman's uniqueness or individuality, but rather it brings an empowerment to the relationship. Each other's giftings working together in a complementary manner, bringing out the best in each other. The Apostle Paul reinforces the principle in Ephesians 5 verse 31 by repeating Genesis 2 verse 24, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be faithfully devoted to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Unfortunately, there are times when parents, for example, 
interfere with their children's marriages or even their families, and this can cause problems. That's why it's so important to understand that those of us who are parents, the moment a couple are bound together in holy matrimony, a totally new family unit has begun. Hence the reason for leaving and cleaving. The apron strings need to be cut, allowing the new husband and his wife to make decisions for themselves in a godly manner. Confusion comes when there's no godly order in this area. Another example of godly soul ties are friendships formed between two people, such as the relationship between David and Jonathan, as described in 1 Samuel 18 verse 1. I'm not going to read the whole portion of scripture here, but for this purpose, I'm just going to read verse 1 where it says, When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bonded to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. This is a good biblical illustration of how two young men took the principle of covenant and loyalty to one another seriously. It's quite an involved story, but one which well illustrates the strength of a good, healthy soul tie. For years later, after Jonathan had died on the battlefield, very sadly, and David had become the king of Israel, their covenant bond still remained intact. David actually extends a hand of friendship and compassion to Jonathan's crippled son, Mephibosheth, who was destitute due to his disability, and he invites him to come to the king's table, promising that he will take care of him as if he were his very own son. That story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 9, for those who might like to read it. Godly ties can also be formed between a person and some thing. For example, the commitment given to a group or an organization or church institution, such as seen in the early church as Acts 4 verse 32 describes. Again, this is a covenant agreement made in the spiritual realm and which will always bring fruitfulness for the sake of God's kingdom. That is the indicator when something brings fruit for the kingdom of heaven, when put into practice. Reading from Acts 4 verse 32. Now the company of believers was of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was exclusively his own, but everything was common property and for the use of all. The New Testament believers were committed to the establishment of the early church and in doing so had reached the place in their spiritual development where helping one another had become commonplace. The same principles should be carried out in every believer's life in the modern day church where the ability to hear God's voice and put it into practice should be the norm. This promotes church growth and healthy relationships amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. And of course, wisdom is necessary as to how these principles should be carried out. Otherwise, people could take these things to the extremes and then the word is taken out of context. Hearing the voice of God is so essential as Graham, and I'm just using this as an example of our Father's House Church, that Graham He's always emphasizing 
the importance of hearing the voice of God and how to apply these principles. Now for examples of ungodly soul ties from God's word and how they hinder spiritual development. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Be not deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 to 18 is another scripture in line with this, and I'm going to read this portion. Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Belial, Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. So come out from among unbelievers and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will graciously receive you and welcome you with favor, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now this scripture explains that we as believers are not to compromise our walk with the Lord by forming ungodly ties with unbelievers, whether they be family or friends. However, it doesn't mean that we are to cut ourselves off from them. If that were the case, then I, Janet Barlin, might as well become a nun and live a cloistered life. And every other Christian, for that matter, men obviously becoming monks, women becoming nuns. No, it simply means that our responsibility as Christians is to follow Christ's example and show unconditional love and acceptance to the unsaved world, not to allow their worldly negative influences or behavior to contaminate our lives. It's also important to note here, from a marriage perspective, that if a woman is married to an unsaved man, then the Bible does say that the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife and vice versa. The New Living Testament says, For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 14. So in the case where there is an unbeliever, a wife is married to an unbeliever, or a husband is married to an unbeliever, there is an answer to the problem. There is sanctification which takes place. And eventually that wife or that husband can get their unsaved spouse born again. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Now we as God's people need to be the light in the darkness and not be conformed to the pattern of this world. God has called each one of us to be different and to make a difference. Any unholy alliances or demonic soul ties must therefore be cut off in the spiritual realm. How to do this? I will explain a little later on. Where there is idolatry, for example, of any kind, Anything which takes the place of God or becomes an unnatural obsession 
is a sure indicator that there is a demonic tie of some sort which needs to be addressed. Now this can even take place, and I know it's a sensitive subject, but I have to mention it, animals, for example, can be an ungodly influence in a person's life. Now God did give us pets. He put pets on this earth to be enjoyed and for people to have fun with, particularly children. But it's not a wise thing when an animal takes the place of God or human beings for that matter. Okay, now I just want to give an example from the Word of God because people can also be idolized. And this happened in the case of Jacob, where he had a relationship with his youngest son, Benjamin, which became a bondage in his life. And it was due to the grief and trauma of losing his other son, Joseph, to slavery in Egypt. Now, the story ends, it's a beautiful story, and it ends on a good note. But I just want to mention here that in Genesis 44, verse 20, it makes reference to Jacob's life being bound up in the young man's life that was Benjamin. Now, an ungodly soul tie, a demonic soul tie had resulted here due to the fear that Jacob obviously had of losing another child. Because he'd lost Joseph, he didn't want to lose Benjamin. Now, in line with this, many a person has lost a loved one and has suffered intense grief. Now, this can open the door to the enemy. It does open the door to the enemy and demonic ties formed, even with the dead. Not a very pleasant subject, but real all the same and has to be addressed. I just want to mention a lady I had an association with who lost her little girl to cancer and was so heartbroken that she couldn't bear to sort out her child's bedroom. I've mentioned this before in a previous teaching, but I felt it's important to mention it again. So she left it exactly the way it was while the child was alive, unable to deal with her loss and an inability to release this little girl to the Lord was the result. The Bible in Deuteronomy 34 verse 8 mentions, and this was when Israel, they mourned 30 days for the loss of Moses, and it was a time of mourning approximately 30 days recommended. If the mourning period extends beyond what is natural, the enemy then gets a foothold in a person's life and depression sets in. And if these ties to loved ones are not dealt with and healing take place, and the Holy Spirit heals uniquely in every situation, but where there is a demonic soul tie, it needs to be addressed. I mean, sometimes people, they don't last very long when their loved ones go to heaven before them. And it's not a natural thing. There has to be healing and there has to be the wrong ties cut off so that people can actually fulfill their destinies, the purposes that God has planned for them on this earth. And the Lord is the one. He restores the soul. Psalm 23 is a beautiful psalm which deals with that and can bring tremendous healing in a person's life. Now, demonic ties can also be made in the area of commitment, for example, to an institution or an organization, or even a church group. Now, obvious examples to most believers would be 
covenants that are made with organizations such as Freemasonry or occultic groups, satanic groups. The devil loves to counterfeit what God has meant for good because he's a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. An extreme situation or example of this took place in 1978 where a cult leader by the name of Jim Jones initiated the mass murder or suicide of over 900 people, 300 of whom were under the age of 17, and many children were killed. It was known as the Jamestown Massacre. Now, he was the leader of the Californian-based People's Temple originally, and it was a Christian organization. Apparently, he was a preacher, but he got totally deceived, and this whole scenario ended up in disaster, an absolute horror story, to say the least, causing the death of so many of his followers, and he also committed suicide. Now, these things should not be. And having said this, I also just want to mention that it's also important that family ties are cut off generationally, most Christians know this, from anything which is satanically inspired, especially that the bloodline curses are broken off. You see, with all of these things, demonic ties and attachments can come in where doors are open to the devil, and it's important as Christians that there's a cleansing which takes place and the doors are closed. Another area where the devil loves to play havoc with in the ungodly soul tie department is where sexual activity has taken place outside the covenant of marriage. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says, Do you not know that he which is joined to a prostitute is one body, for two shall become one flesh? Sex is reserved by God only for the intimacy of marriage. Whenever God's laws are violated, demonic soul ties are the problem. Doors are opened and cause terrible problems. Now I'm going to use the example of the story of Dinah in the Old Testament where she was raped very sadly and suffered the consequences. Now, reading from Genesis 34, verse 1, for the purposes of this teaching, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. That can be read at length by whoever's listening to this audio. But verses 1 to 3 says, Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out unescorted. Just want to mention there that it's so important. She was unescorted here. Obviously, her father or her brothers did not take the responsibility to make sure that she was looked after. And she went to visit the girls of the land. When Sheshem, the son of Hamor, prince of the land, saw her, he kidnapped her by force and lay intimately with her. But his soul longed for and clung to Dinah, and he loved the girl and spoke comfortingly to her young heart's wishes. This story ends in tragedy. Dinah's brothers took revenge because they were so upset because their sister had been defiled and they ended up killing not only Sheshem but his father too, plus all the men in the town in response to their sister having been defiled and it brought great shame on Jacob's family. 
When a person has sex before marriage with one or maybe more partners, his or her soul actually becomes joined to every single person involved. And therefore, unless each of these ties are cut off in the spiritual realm, those concerned will have great difficulty later on in making real, lasting commitments when it comes to actually getting married and trying to establish the marriage covenant in his or her life. Therefore, all ungodly ties must be dealt with. And that's why I'm going to put a few notes here of how to deal with these ungodly soul ties and the simple steps as to how to go about it. Number one, recognize the problem and take responsibility for one's own life. Every Christian has to do this. I've done this. My husband's done it. It should be that every person in the body of Christ should take responsibility for cutting off any ungodly soul ties. Recognize the problem, take responsibility for one's own life and spiritual development. Number two, repent and ask for God's forgiveness, whether or not it was your fault or someone else's fault. Forgive, and this is of utmost importance, forgive any person or people who may have caused harm or trauma. Forgiveness is a matter of choice. Make the decision and eventually the feelings will line up with the right choices. Matthew 6 verse 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. 1 John 1 verse 9 also says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Yeshua came to take away a shame identity and replace it with his identity of who we are in Christ. Number four, renounce and cut off any ungodly ties by naming each person involved. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance anything important because he is the counselor, he is the comforter, the advocator, etc. So it's important to make sure, name the people, and then write it down on a piece of paper, burn that piece of paper, cut it up, whatever, but make sure that every person, and ask the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance any person from the past, from childhood, even from the womb, he will do that. And then that ungodly soul tie can be cut off in the spiritual realm. And then number five, allow the healing balm of the Holy Spirit to restore your soul. I mentioned that scripture earlier. Psalm 23 is a wonderful scripture reference which talks about restoration of the human soul. And then ask the Holy Spirit to fill your cup to overflowing with the cleansing power of rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit is there to fill to overflowing. It's important to be refilled every day. Just want to mention that too with the Holy Spirit because that brings empowerment. Now, a final scripture reference here. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, 
sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Yeshua. A beautiful scripture that talks about the ongoing sanctification of body, soul and spirit that he might keep each one of us blameless until the coming of our Lord Yeshua. Now for those of you who are listening to this audio, may this teaching be a helpful tool, a teaching aid, which can be used by the Lord to set the captive free, to bring heaven down to earth and to bring much fruit for the kingdom of heaven. Be blessed in his wonderful name, the name of Yeshua. Amen.